Let's pray. Father, what a delight it is, again, to share with one another. It's great to be together with one another. Thank you, Father, for the body of Christ. You have told us in John 17 that, Lord, we have been given eternal life for the purpose of knowing you. And what an awesome responsibility that is to learn of you. We are so thankful for your written revelation that exposes who you are. Your word tells us correctly who you are. And in that revelation, there are things that, Lord, are not easy. It doesn't come easy, but it is true. One of those concepts that you are relating to us in these weeks together has been that you are a triunity. Three persons, one be. There is nothing else like that. You are unique. And Lord, there are just enormous applications to that in our daily lives, and we want to expose those today. We trust that it will be pleasing in your sight, and we that you will be pleased with the way that we apply these truths to our lives this week. And for this we give you honor and praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, obviously what we have before us here is something you've seen uh, several times. We're talking about the triune God, and some of us are familiar with this term, obviously, Trinity. Um, Probably a very popular word also is triunity, three in one. And that's the concept that it gives us. The scriptures define for us that there are three persons, Holy Spirit, Son, Father, but one being, one essence. That's what we're trying to symbolize here. The Holy Spirit is God, the Son is God, the Father is God, but the Father is not the Son. We have three distinct persons but one essence, one being. If I were to say to you that I am one being and one person, you would say, I got it. I got it. Wow. Shut down. Let's go home. Right? I got that. But when we put three persons, one being, we kind of scratch our head and rightly so. (laughs) Don't know anything else like that. And that's the reason why it's so important that we carefully observe Scripture because God doesn't define Himself the way that we would like to define Him sometimes. He defines Himself for the way that He is. This morning we're going to deal with the word community. And this is, this can be defined, many dictionaries define it as a unity or a group, put group here, a group or a body of persons. We could say that a football team is a community. It's a community of football players, okay? Uh, you know, the uh, the X's and the O's, they tell me. So I can say there's the, uh, the line, and we got X's on this side, 
and the O's on this side. This is the Cowboys over here. This is the Steelers over here. Okay. And uh, so we have, uh, I'll do this real quick. Uh, we got 11. That's not 11, but we'll symbolize it to be 11. And we would say this is a community. This is a team. And they ought to be unified, right? We want unity in a team. And that unity, they all are in unity because they want to win the championship. But the problem is they can't all be in conformity because they'd all be a quarterback. And just one quarterback's not going to win anything. So we want unity without something forcing us to have conformity. We want diversity, but we don't want to be divisive. I want you to kind of grasp that for a moment. A community, a home, a family is a community. A community of at least two or three. Okay. Now, in a, in a family, we want to be what? Unity. We want to be in unity. We want to be unified, but we don't want dad saying, everybody's got to conform to the way I think. Or mom saying, everybody's got to be conformed and like the food that I like to cook. We want to be unified, but we don't want conformity. Ah, okay. There is unity here, but not they're not all the Father. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Let's take that a little bit further. At work, you might say, boy, our office, we want to be unified here, but we don't want to have conformity that everybody just conforms to what somebody else does. No, we, we want to be unified. We want to have diversity, but we don't want to be divisive. Ah, here's one for you. The church, the body of Christ. Sometimes we say the church at large or the universal church. We definitely want to be unified, but there has to be Diversity. It shouldn't be strange to us that there are denominations. It's diversity. But we don't have to be divisive. You see, this is all played out in what God tells us about himself. Community. A united body of individuals. Obviously, we're talking about human beings. So when we come to this concept of trinity, triunity, we want to talk about there is a divine community. A divine community. And out of that divine community comes some very exciting applications, which we need in every area of life. Where we're talking about our marriage, talking about our homes, if you have children in that sense. Uh, at work, but especially the body of Christ. Now then, why did the Father send the Son, and through the enablement of the Holy Spirit, what was the purpose of sending His Son to earth? Well, we would say to die for the sins of the world, and that would be true. 
Is there anything else important there? Well, that's a good start to die for the sins of the world. But perhaps from Genesis 1, he is saying, I desire you to be unified, but not forced to conformity. Diversity, yes, but not divisiveness. And he's going to tell us in John 17 that he sends his son to display that so that the world will know that. And the world will say, I don't know of any unity of anything without conformity. You've got to conform to do it this way. Then we'll have unity. Well, you may, but it's out of conformity. Or you might say, we do desire to have unity And we want people to be themselves in that sense. They have different gifts. Some are good at typing, perhaps, in a business. And some are good at leadership. And some are good at organization. But we we want the diversity, but we don't desire people to be divisive. Because that splits up the intended unity. And we certainly see that at times in the body of Christ. Okay, take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to the Gospel of John. Chapter 17, God is a triune community, a unified community of three, we could say, and be correct in that. Now, in John 17 and verses 20 through 26, this is what uh, we read just a few moments ago. I want to specifically just take a verse at a time. So you're going to see individual verses rather than a whole paragraph here. Because this is a difficult passage from the standpoint there are a lot of pronouns. And if you read it fast, if you're like me, you get down to about the third verse, 20, 21, 22, and you have the chance to close up your Bible and say, I'm confused. Okay. So we're going to take it one verse at a time, and we're going to see if we can isolate uh, the truth that is presented here to us. This is a night before Jesus' crucifixion. He is with his disciples. He's praying to his father. And here's what we read in verse 20. I, and I'm going to interpret, you can follow along. I, Jesus, the reference here is to Jesus. I, Jesus, do not ask on behalf of these alone, these disciples. Father, I do not ask for these disciples alone, but for those, for those future disciples also who believe in me, Jesus, through their word. Now, what's going on here? Father, I do not ask on behalf of my disciples that are in my midst this evening, but for those disciples also who will believe in me, Jesus, through their witness. There will be more disciples to come, Father, Because these disciples that I have trained, they will be sharing the word, and there will be more disciples to come. That's his prayer. I just am not asking for these present disciples with me, but for you and me, who are here this morning. Because we heard the gospel, we heard the presentation of truth from other believers, correct? Now, verse 21, purpose. What's the purpose of this? 
The purpose is that they, that these future disciples, you and me, may all be one. We may be unified. Even as you, Father, are in or in union with me, and I am in union with you. What's the point here? The point is this. Father, you are in me, and I am in you. Why? Because we have the same essence. All that the Father is also is the Son, yet he is not the Son, because they are distinct. But the attributes, the very essence of God, belongs to all three. They share in this one essence. They don't have two essence. They don't have three essence. They all share this one essence. Therefore, they are going to be unified. Yet there is not conformity, and the fact is that it's forced. There is distinctiveness. There is, what's the other word you have down there? Diversity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but they're not divisive. Why? Because of their essence. They don't fight among themselves. They don't try to say, I'm more important than the Father. No, you're not. I, the Holy Spirit, are more important. They're not divisive. Why? Because they have this God essence, their attributes. Now, my problem is I'm not like that. But I would like to be like that. Hopefully you would too. So then, I can get along with Vernon. Okay? As far as I know, we, we do a little bit, right? Especially on Tuesdays, anyway. But anyway. We want to be unified. Yet, Vernon doesn't want to be forced to conform to me in order to have that unity. We want to have diversity. He is Vernon. I am Don. Yet we don't want to be divisive. But that's our tendency. I think my beliefs are better than his beliefs. My point of views are better than his point of views. If I had God's nature, if Vernon and I both had God's nature, we could go a long ways on what? Being unified. Right? We could have unity without one of us forcing conformity. And we could have diversity. We can be our own person and not be divisive. But that's never going to happen unless we share in the very nature of God. You realize that when you and I come into the world, when we were conceived and then months later born and brought into this world, we were born with the potentiality and the certainty of knowing and experiencing conformity and being divisive. Anyone ever miss that? Do you ever know of somebody that's just divisive? Well, if you live on planet Earth, you have. And obviously we all do. Well, let's take the next verse, please. Well, I guess we better finish 21, haven't we? That they all may be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in union with you. We share the very same being, the very same essence. You, Father, that they also may be in you. 
may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. It's amazing that God wants to make himself known from unity, not just from me alone. The greater witness is that when we are unified without everybody being conformed to be just like me, and there is diversity because you have different gifts, you work in different places, you have a different personality which matches up probably better with some people than my personality does. We want the diversity, but we don't want the division. And the only way that we can keep from, being, from conformity in a negative way and being divisive is if we share the same essence as God. The problem is how? How do you do that? Do you buy it? Do you go to church and say, give me a full glass of God's essence. I'm going to drink it. How much will it cost? Our home is in chaos. It's divisive. What would it cost me to get a dose of God's essence? Well, actually, it's free. And this verse tells us that this is the reason why the Father has sent the Son. Isn't it? That they all may be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you. Purpose that they also may be in us. They may share in our nature. Why? So that the world may believe. So that this world will believe in you, the Father. But they do not know the Father. Jesus says, I know you. But they do not know you. But if I go and show them who you are, and he did that to Philip, right? Philip says, I don't know the Father. He says, well, if you've seen me, you've seen the what? He wasn't talking about physical appearance. He was talking about the essence, divine being. And so go and show them. And the Son obeys. It's not divisive because they share. Everything's okay. <laughs> There's no battle here. And that's what we ought to see going on in our lives and in our relationships. It's not perfect, but we're growing in that what? Unity. If I'm not, then I'm not what God has called me to be. Verse 22. The glory, the splendor, which you, reference to Father, the glory which you have given me, what is that? Basically, in context, that is the glory which you have given me is to give them our life, to give them who we are, that they will have the life of God. They will share in it. You see, these three individuals share. They share in all of it. There was a heresy in the first three centuries of church history in which they wanted to divide this up and the Holy Spirit had his part of the essence and the Father had his part and the Son had his part. No. The Holy Spirit shares in all of it. And the Son shares in all of it. And the Father shares in all of it. They all have it all. 
So in 22, the glory which you, Father, have given me, that is to give our life to them, I have given to them, that they may be one. This is the only way it's going to happen, that they may be one. Believers would be a community of unity. Just as we are what? One. Look in 23. I, reference to Jesus, I in them. I and the believers and you, Father, in me. Why? What's the purpose? Here it is. That they may be perfected. They may come to the goal of unity. And that's only going to happen, Father, if you are in me and I am you. And that is true. So when I go and share my life, eternal life, with them, they will be sharing in the same thing that you and I have. And unity will be developed if we're obedient to that. This is a surety. This is a guarantee. You probably have a relationship with another believer where you say, we just click. Now, that may be due somewhat to personality. You may have the same likes and the same dislikes. But it's really intense and it's really significant when you both are sharing the life of who? God. That's the dynamic. And you would just say, even though sometimes we don't share in the same likes, and sometimes we have different opinions, but we're not divisive, and I don't feel like I just have to fall over dead and be like her or be like him. Now, wouldn't that save us a lot of hassle in our marriages if we'd ever just come to the point that I don't have to be like him and he doesn't have to be like me? <laughs> Some of you are not too sure of that, right? You see the dynamics here? God has given to you and me by faith in Christ alone to have and to share this unity so that we will come to you. By the way, that's only for Christians, because only Christians share in the life of God. And so I would expect, and you would expect, the world to be chaotic. We would expect all kinds of treaties. But in most treaties, especially those that are unilateral, you've got to be this way. Conformity. We want all peoples of the world to be like us. <laughs> Think of political parties. Just take the Republicans, which is pretty obvious today. They want to be unified, but nobody, nobody wants to be what? Unique, diverse, because they all have their opinions and are not willing to give up on their opinions, so we come out with what? Divisiveness. Only God can put it together. Not talking about the Republican Party, even though that's true, but I don't have a very good idea that's going to come to pass. Verse 24. Father, I desire, Father, I, Jesus, desire that they, these believers, you and me also, that I desire that they also whom you have given me, you, Father, have sent me, you have given them to me, that they would be with me where I am. I want them to be in heaven. This is a great passage 
for funerals. This is a great, or memorial services. This is a great passage in comforting loved ones who have lost a dear one. But there's another purpose clause here in verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am, so that the purpose is I want them that they may see my splendor, my glory. I want them to see me without the contamination and the distortions of the world. Oh, Father, I want them to be with me. They can see me in all of my splendor. For you love me before the foundation of the world. Verse 25. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you because of sin and alienation, that's what we have inherited was Adam's nature, so we are separated from God. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. You and I know that the Father sent the Son. The Father has sent the Son to the world. That you and I may know who? The Father. And he says, you and I as believers, that we know the Father. You know how we know? It's not intellectual, even though that's a part of it. That's not the reason. I know the Father because I've had a taste of what he's talking about. We share in his life. I'm far from perfecting that. But I want to be on that journey, that goal. Lord, I want to be unified, but I don't want people to feel like they have to conform to the way I think it ought to be, or vice versa. And, Father, I love the diversity, but I don't want to be a part of being divisive. I, I know the Father because I know that works. We have seen it, we have tasted of it, and we want more of it, Right? It's interesting from Genesis chapter 1, by the way, in 26 and 27, that God pictures this. When God designed the human race, beginning with Adam and Eve, they were to be in complete unity, not conformity, not divisive, and they were to go out and they were to govern the earth under God's authority. Chapter 3, Satan enters in, and now we see what? Conformity, forcing, and also we see diversity but division. She made me do it. <laughs> Adam saying, "I obviously Adam knew, but yet didn't obey. And Satan was there, and he was divisive. And that divisiveness works to the fact that now Cain murders his what? And so we go, how do we bring that back? This is what he's talking about. So in 26, And I have made your name, Father, known to them, 
and will make it known so that the love which you love me may be in them and I in them. This love is a sincere appreciation and high regard for one another. Now, often we call this the unconditional love, agape love. But probably we can extend that a little bit better since we're so familiar with unconditional love. Let's develop it, which would still stay with the language correctly. And that this is a sincere appreciation. If I love you unconditionally, I have a sincere appreciation and I have high regard for you. That's what God's life will do for us. We may be diverse, but not divisive. And we will have unity, but neither of us will feel that we have to be forced to conform to one or the other. Let me take this step further. I'm going to ask you to come to Second Peter in chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Because maybe some of you might be a little, struggling a little bit. Wow, do we become God? You're talking about sharing in God's nature. Listen to this passage. You see, the way, the way God designed this is that I will fully experience what it means to be a person. And I will experience that fullness as I am in community with others. You see, if I want to be unified in the body of Christ, and I love diversity, I want to learn from others. You have something to offer me. I have something to offer you. But notice what conformity and divisiveness does. It doesn't bring us together at what? Personhood is only experienced as it was designed within community. If you want to sense what it means to be half a person, not a whole person, don't feel like a whole being, a whole person, I tell you from Scripture, there's something that's going on about conformity in a negative way and divisiveness. When I'm a little upset with Anita, I just want to go over and hug her. And I just want to hold hands with her and sit on the couch. No! I want to go to my office and make sure she doesn't come in. I slam the door, which means, don't you dare. You see, if I sense, I'm using Vernon here, if I sense that only way I can get along with Vernon or he with me is to conform to one or the other. And even though I may appreciate that he is different from me, but I sense, man, I tell you what, we are not going to be close. There is no being that has closer relationships than the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Father has sent the Son by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that we would come to know the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit through the redemptive ministry of Christ so that... I'm going to elect these four people here. Okay? 
And now they will become like this in a proper way. And the world will say, but you're... You're not the same. You're maybe not even the same nationality. You're not even of the same race, same color of skin. How can you be so tight? Because of this. Now in Second Peter, seeing that his divine power, Peter writes, and this is in reference to verse 2, which is Christ's divine power, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and God, everything. How could I ever say I don't have enough? If I had this or if I had that, then maybe that would happen. (laughs) You got it all if you're a believer because you're sharing God's nature. Now let me prove that to you here in the Scriptures. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him. This is the reason why the early church for 300 years worked themselves almost, quote, we would say to death, trying to get this right in the Trinity. And for the last 300 years, approximately, The church has had an attitude is, that's too difficult. I don't need that. But by and large, we have divisiveness and conformity. We have people who say, everybody now, if you're going to be in my group, have to be like me. That never works. It mostly ends up with the wrong kind of Kool-Aid. And the world is not impressed by that. It goes on to say in verse 4, For by these he has granted to us precious and magnificent promises, purpose, so that by them you may become partakers or sharers of the what? There it is. Sharers of the what? You and I, by our birth in Christ, by redemption, We become sharers, we don't become God, but we become sharers of the divine nature. Having escaped, watch this, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by what? Lust. The word there means a strong desire to have what belongs to someone else. Shouldn't amaze us, should it? When I'm out of sync with God, I'm out of sync with everybody. And that's the difficulty with us as Christians because the world doesn't understand it. The world doesn't know it, so they don't basically miss it. They know something's wrong, but they don't know what the fix is. You and I know what it is, so we're convicted, right? Because we know how it works. Each person of the Trinity shares the life of the other two, as we've shown here. One more verse, Colossians 2.9. Because sometimes this is, I think, a little bit tough to understand. Each person of the Trinity shares the life of the other two. They just don't share a part. The Holy Spirit just doesn't share his part of the divine essence. He shares all of it. You can't divide it into pieces of a pie. In Colossians 2, 9, for in him, for in Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. All the fullness of what? Deity dwells in who? 
in Christ, in Christ alone. Okay, let's do some application. Uh, if you have your sheets there, you can follow along there if you wish. God is a trinity, a divine community of relationships. Unified, but the Son doesn't conform to the Father, even though they share the same essence. There is diversity. There are three individual persons, but they're not divisive. Let's look at some truths here just to kind of summarize. The church, the body of Christ, that's you and me. It's Daniel's Bible Church, Missionary Baptist, Grace Gospel, all the churches around us. The church, universal, the body of Christ is to mirror. It's to reflect. Most every morning I get up and I'm reminded I'm me. No matter how much I pray, I wish I was somebody else at times. The mirror says, I'm me. The mirror says, you're you. Is to mirror the divine community. It's to act like this. By showing unity apart from conformity and diversity apart from what? Being divisive or divisive. Okay, number two. The home. The home is to mirror the divine community. What a witness. By showing unity. You have to work at it, don't you? It just does not automatically just come because you pray over food. You have to work at it. There's times we say, Lord, I just got to stand my ground. I'm not going to be pressured to be like that because I don't think it's best. But I don't have to be divisive. That is sinful. The home is to mirror the divine community by showing unity apart from conformity and diversity apart from being divisive. This is something that we can really wrap our arms around with our children. You don't have to be like your brother. You don't have to be like your sister. You can be different, but you can't be divisive in our home. Dad's not always right. We don't expect you to always agree with everything Dad says, but you can't be divisive. You can disagree with love, but you can't be angry about it. This all comes out of the Trinity. He's showing us, he's modeling us, and he has since Genesis 1. Number three, please. The workplace is to mirror the divine community. And you say, well, I'm the only one. Well, it starts there. As you witness, perhaps God will enable you to see a person come to Christ, and now you've got a community. Okay? By showing unity again, apart from conformity, diversity apart from being divisive. The church, the home, the workplace. Let's try one more. The community, talking about our local community. We can do a lot of work as churches. We can have diversity. We're not, nobody's going to compromise. We know that's wrong. But we can have diversity without being divisive. Well, can't we look at, we can, I'm not saying anybody doesn't, but we look across the street and say, it's a good church. You say, well, they're Baptists, so? We're a Bible church. You're not going to find either one of them in the Bible. I don't care how much you try to squeeze it in. It's not going to be there. 
It's okay to be a Bible church. It's okay to be Baptist. It's okay to be grace gospel. The world needs to see that we're not divisive in that. You say, well, we all ought to come under the umbrella of one church. No. That's not what God is saying. That actually works again. You cannot force one world church. It's okay to have ten small churches. You'd say, well, yeah, but we could do a lot more if we were all under one roof. A lot more of what? Sometimes, yes. <laughs> right. It's okay that some have contemporary music and some don't. Why? Because there's also people out there, since we can't find in Scripture that it's wrong, either one is wrong, then why can't there be the diversity? Because there's people out there looking for, is this Christian thing different? And to say, well, I like hymns. Great! Somebody around here has hymns. We do on Wednesday nights. And we have kind of a mix of it on Sunday mornings at times. It's okay. Why does it have to be divisive? Well, I'm thankful that you're not divisive over those things. Okay, two more. Let's talk about, let's evaluate. Let's evaluate. Number one, each day this week, I'd like to encourage myself and hold me responsible to do this. Feel free to come up with me on Wednesday night and say, hey, how are you doing in this area? Each day this week, take a moment. I'm not saying an hour. Just take a moment and evaluate what are the apparent evidences that the Father has sent the Son to transform lives. You'd say, well, wow, I think since Sunday I'm making some progress in this. I think there's some clarity here. And it is changing my relationship. You may say there's somebody come to know Christ at work or in the community or in your family. Look for those transformed lives because that's what's going on here. You see, when we just filter it down, well, Christ came to save the world. Well, that's true. That's kind of like it's the Steelers. And maybe you're really a 50-yard front row Steeler fan. And you come up to me and say, wow. I had to, I had to be away and wasn't able, I haven't heard, what's the score? They won. Can't you tell me a little bit more? They won. What else you want to know? Okay. The fullness. It is true that Christ came to die for the sins of the world. Why? So that we would know Him. And how do we know and experience Him? Through this process. Which was designed back in Genesis as well. There's more than that, but that is an essential part. Number two, each day this week, take a moment and reflect on when you are interdependent. What's that mean? Interdependent. Does that mean that you're dependent upon the world to take care of you? Interdependence means I depend on you, you depend on what? Yeah, it works both ways. It's interdependence. Rather than what? Independent. I don't need the church. I don't need America. I don't need apple pie. I can do it. I am an American. And I can do it. Really. Go for it. If you arrive, you'll be the first one. And your chances are slim and what? None. Okay. 
because God rules the universe. And God designed us to be interdependent, so therefore I have to be careful about what is true unity and what is right about diversity. Interdependent rather than independent. Do you ever notice when you're in sin, you don't want to be interdependent, you want to be what? Independent, right? i got to have it my way. Well, that fellow could have written a better song, probably. Okay, all right. That's the applications that, at least two of them, that are workable. And all churches desperately need this. I desperately need it. I need to be reminded in all of my relationships. Do I ever catch myself by pressure, get somebody to conform? Well, sure. I'll admit that. Is it right? It's horribly wrong. It's sin. It ought to be confessed. But I do have uh, Adam's nature, and I will till the Lord comes back, and that's not an excuse. I just have to acknowledge, and it's wrong. And you probably would admit the same thing. I do not want to be dependent. And neither do I want to be independent. I want to be interdependent. Let's pray. Well, Father, we thank you for your sufficiency this morning. We thank you for the Spirit of God who is our teacher. He dwells within us. We have the life of Christ. But it is, Lord, your Spirit that dwells within us to manifest your life. We thank you for the wonderful, wonderful triunity. Lord, thank you for being so precious to us that many, many places in Scripture you reveal it to us. May we take it seriously and, Lord, help any of us who think we've got it all down pat today, because we don't. But we're probably further along than we've ever been. And we would ask that we would be continually taught. And one day we will see it in all of its fullness when we arrive at our real home in heaven. But perhaps, Lord, your spirit has just, uh, Lord, sensitized a heart of a person that maybe came in this morning. They do not know you or they're not sure that they know you. And they would say, wow. You know, this really touches where I live. Divisive, dependent, independent. And so, Father, may that person realize by your influence that there is a solution to their life, and it's a free gift from, from you, our Father. And if they will repent towards you and acknowledge that they have not lived the way you designed them to live, which is true of all of us. And their only hope of putting life together, their only hope of honoring you and worshiping the true and living God, is to place their trust in Christ and Christ alone, not in a church, not in a religion, not in this church or any other church, but in you and you alone. They would receive the free gift of eternal life. 
Lord, that would be our desire today. For the rest of us, as we apply these applications, um, may our families grow closer. May our offices be different. May our local church be different. And may we, Lord, enjoy encouraging other assemblies. You know, Father, that we do not want to partake of heresy. We do not want to compromise. We do not want organized union among churches. We want it to be of you. We ask for that insight. And so thank you for these dear people, Father, that have spent their time this morning to hear of you. And, Father, may thy blessings be upon them. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.